Welcome to Eat the World, a podcast about food. My name is Rob Lewis. I'm a well-traveled eater and a fearless home cook. On my Instagram page, I have a community of people like me, talented home cooks from around the world that make the dishes that they love for their friends, families, and followers. For the eighth episode, my guest is Chef Belay. Originally from Senegal, Belay moved to Las Vegas at the age of 16. He now lives in Richmond, Virginia. His Instagram page is dotted with spectacular cakes, West African dishes, and foods from cultures he's been exposed to along the way. So, Chef Belay, thanks for appearing on the podcast. This is going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun, too. I'm getting some good vibe from this already. So this is this is nice. Well, I had a revelation last night when I was cooking the yasa fish. Okay. I, I'd never made Senegalese food before. I don't think I've made West African food before. Okay. And I was trying to get my head around what could this taste like to make sure. Uh-huh. And I was struggling with a couple things. I was struggling with the amount of heat because it has the scotch bonnet peppers on it. That's right. I'm trying to imagine how warm a dish it is. <laughs> the, the whole continent of Africa alone, we love spicy food. I mean, as a kid, we build our tolerances with, you know, anything spicy as a young kid. So as we grow, you know, our tolerance of spiciness increases. So... As adults, you know, anything spicy don't faze us. So we eat like the the hot peppers. So when we cook, we like to, you know, involve the scotch bonnet, like, you know, habanero, um, any type of hot peppers that we know it's going to give us a kick, we use that. Did you grow up in West Africa? Yeah, I actually moved to the United States uh, when I was uh, 16. So when I uh, came to the States and uh, when I was 16, I actually moved to Las Vegas I was in Las Vegas with my mom and dad for about four years, and I went to college in Iowa. (laughs) So random. I went to college in Iowa, and then um, after I graduated college in Iowa, I actually moved back to Las Vegas. And then I stayed there for a little bit, and then I moved to Richmond because of my fiancé at the time. And then in Vegas, was there a West African community? No, really. The African population in Vegas wasn't that big, especially West Africa, there were more of uh, people from Ethiopia. And um, I met a few, few people from Angola. But the Ethiopian um, community were probably the, I guess, the only community that I knew in Vegas. Oh, culturally, it's just, I mean, it's two sides of a huge continent. Yes, absolutely. I grew up in New York, and it relates to getting a feel for um, this yasa fish. So I'm trying to figure out how to cook it, and I'm trying to figure out how hot it is. And this is the first time I've come across such broad use of mustard. (laughs) I mean, they use, in Indian food, especially in Bengali Indian food, they use a lot of mustard, and they use a lot of the mustard leaves, right? Yes. I'm accustomed to using mustard, and of course, people use mustard for like a coating for barbecue. Right. It wasn't until I watched like five videos of different people from... It was, you know, it was, it was Senegal. Um, I think it was like, I, I don't want to say Gabon. Gabon used it too. Uh-huh. Everyone's using it. And I'm, and I'm looking at how they're frying the fish and I'm thinking this may have been the origin or this is a descent from the chain of the food that I'm accustomed to because I love to eat Haitian food. Yes. I met a few uh, Haitian people in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, when we talk about food, they, some of the stuff they talk about is 
kind of similar to the stuff that we cook back home. And they actually, we kind of have like the same type of uh, taste. For example, they like fried bananas. We like fried bananas. They like spicy food. We like spicy food. Um, and there's a dish actually that one of my Asian friends said that they use masto with, but I forgot the name of it. Um, I should get a recipe from him. Because even if they don't use mustard, they use a lot of vinegar. Yes. And and not a lot of dairy. So it's kind of like a sauce and it's f- either fried and then they have like something that's spicy and something that's almost pickled and something that's kind of sour. And once once I got my head around that, I thought, oh, this is a breeze. Because then I could balance I could balance the sour of the lemon and the vinegar. Exactly. And then it was easy just figuring out in my family who wants to eat spicy or not. And I still had a few habaneros in my freezer from from the garden from two years ago. And I said, oh, this is where I'm going to have to drag them out. I also freeze my uh, my uh, hot peppers on the freezer too. So whenever I don't want to use it, I just you know pop them. <laughs> I mean, they still have their kick and they maintain the texture and the color, and it's mm-hmm. it beats not having fresh peppers, right? There's actually a trick um, for the hot peppers because you know we have to we we uh, we include the hot peppers and the uh, and the sauce or the stew or whatever. So we will put the hot pepper uh, halfway to the cooking. But we will not bother the pepper. The pepper will stay on the corner, but we won't, we won't even touch it. Because as soon as, you know, the more you touch it, the more the spices will be everywhere. So you just, like, leave it on the side and let it just, like, cook by itself till the food is cooked. And then after that, you serve it. Nobody told me to do that, but I did exactly that. Good! <laughs> I mean, it takes a while because you have to get the onions really soft and nice. That's right. Making sure the peppers remained whole... And then I could always like take off a little bit of pepper onto onto each bite yeah. and manage the heat. We actually remove the like after the sauce is cooked, the stew is cooked, or the yasa, whatever you're cooking with the hot pepper. Um, when it's cooked, we just remove the pepper and we put put it peppers because I mean sometimes we put more than one pepper. We put on a little small, very very tiny bowl, and that's set on the side of the of the uh, pot. So whoever serving themselves, they just take the fork or spoon and just push on the uh, on the pepper to get you know the amount that they want, and they just like rub it on their plate. Nice, nice. So it's all it's you get a little bit of fragrant from the pepper, but a but a nice amount of heat. Exactly. We were going to make the same dish, and then suddenly, what happened? So I was we going to make the same dish, but so usually when I make the yesa, my, my wife really liked the yesa too. Usually when I make it. I'll make it with with, my fa- with uh, some of my family uh, members all over the house, or my friends, my my Ivorian friends, Senegalese friends, or Nigerian friends when I come over. So I make a, I usually make a big batch. I make the fish, I make the leg quarter, and I also make one with just chicken breast because my wife doesn't really like um, the dark meat. So since it was just me and her, I was like, you know, let me just make uh, the chicken breast so we can she will also be able to enjoy it. Because usually if I make the fish, she doesn't like fish. She doesn't like the, the leg quarter. So I was like, let me just make the, the chicken breast. When I go to Haitian restaurants and they're preparing the chicken, if it's like a chicken stew, uh, the chickens are usually really super well cooked, which is fine because for the dark meat, it just falls off the bone. But then for the chicken breast, a lot of times it's super well cooked. When you when you make your yasa poulet for the chicken breast, yes, are you making accommodations for the fact that it's 
you know, it's it's a not very fatty, super protein chicken breast, or are you cooking it super through? Usually, if I want to cook a chicken um, breast, I'm going to grill it first, just to get the coating. I either grill it on the grill, or I just saute a little bit to make it a little bit brown on the top. And then after that, I will bake it on the oven with aluminum foil on it. And then after that, I add my already pre-cooked yesa just to like add the flavor. Because I, I like my chicken, my chicken breast to be tender. I don't like it when it's over overcooked. If you stew a chicken, you're not going to manage it right. But I get what you're doing. So you get you get the color in the coat, then you manage the heat gentle till you get it perfect, and then you can just always add the sauce in later. And sometime after I, I either grill it or I either you know uh, color it on the stove a little bit, and after I add my pre-cooked. Uh, yes, our onions. When I put it on in the oven, when he, you know, it just like warms up and cooks it with the chicken, and the flavors also get into to the chicken, and it doesn't get dry when I do that that way. Nice. Did you make um, couscous or did you make ateke? I actually had two bowls of uh, two balls of ateke uh, left in my freezer. I was very happy about that. I thought I had one. My friend in Benin, from Benin. I actually visited um, Abidjan because I was born in Abidjan. I was born in Cote d'Ivoire. So um, he was visiting there and I told him, hey, can you please grab me some achike while you're there? Because we are actually really good at making achikes um, compared to other countries, I feel like. <laughs> uh, no, honestly. <laughs> Which country specifically are you smacking down? I want to know. No, I'm no, 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 no. No other countries. We all we we all make good at chickens, but I'm saying, I'm saying, uh, you know, definitely Cote d'Ivoire makes really good at chickens because I tried at chickens from other countries. It was all right, but he was able to bring me some, and I um I because I'm able to freeze it. We were able to freeze at chicken for like a long time. So, um yeah, so I just used that. I just warmed it up and uh, warmed it up in the microwave. Um, for one minute about three or four times and you know different times I was like fluffing it while it was um, I fluffing in between the warm-ups to making sure you know everything just come out right and uh, I was able to eat it with that that's hilarious it's it's dense but it's not that dense I mean how do you bring it into the states like you're bringing like 10 pounds of it <laughs> well, usually um, the way we sell it uh, in West Africa. So if you go to a place where they actually make achikes, like it's warm, it's ready, they will serve it inside a banana leaf and then they will give it to you. So you will enjoy it like in the next, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour. But if you want to keep it for like a long time, they put it inside a clear plastic bag. So it looks like, like a hand, like maybe like, three or four ta- four size of uh, like a handful basically of a chicken like uh, uh, inside a clear plastic bag and they just like tie it very tight like very very tight so there won't be any air on it and that's how they usually people transport it to like other places got it so how did you make your dish like what walk me through if I wanted to do your way and I'll tell you what I did and let's compare I'm just gonna go to usually when I do it with my uh, my family comes over because the one that I did yesterday I feel like I alter a little bit because uh, I can I can't really do too much spices if I know my wife is gonna be eating it if I can't really do she doesn't really like uh, olives also is she from Senegal or or Cote d'Ivoire no she's from the U S really okay 
So what's her what's her food traditions? Okay, so my wife's dad's used to be a chef, so he's so her actually her whole family is really good in, uh, um, when it comes to cooking. Uh, the tradition uh, I'm gonna say they actually have a um, they make really good lasagnas. Nice, really good pastas. Yeah, really good lasagnas, really good pastas. Her mom makes really good meatloaves, and they also have this secret recipe from um her dad actually that's his like a secret i don't know how he makes it but it's a combination of baguettes or bread with slightly thin orange not orange is it orange yeah i think it's orange and um i think he makes it with like salt pepper and olive oil or something like that but it's it's a weird combination but it tastes so good okay so let's say you weren't making it for your wife and her family but you were making it on your side what would happen Okay, so I will first mar- marinate the uh, the chicken legs or whatever dark meat with the skin um, because we love the skin of the, <laughs> the chicken. I feel like it holds a lot of flavors too. Uh, so I will uh, make some incision incisions in the, the chicken leg quarters on all of them, maybe like two or three. I will wash them, wash the chicken, let it dry a little bit or just like pat it dry. And then I will um, add my lemon juice i sometimes add just like a little bit of olive oil in there too but it's gonna be like on a big bowl on like a big tupperware so i can be i will be able to cover it to marinate for the uh, overnight so i would just put all my onions chop like a lot of onions uh, the yellow yellow onions in there i will put um my spices salt pepper paprika um i sometimes add more like cayenne pepper in there too sometimes um, I will put some bay leaves in there. I will also add um, bouillon cubes, chicken bouillon cubes. Depending on, depending on the size of it, I will add you know, one or two. Um, I will add, uh, if I have extra extra uh, lemon juice on the bottle, that's already, you know, lemon, like on the bottle, I will add that too. I will add my fresh lemon lemons in there. And then I'll also leave in um, the actual lemon the actual lemon fruit, I will leave it inside the bowl. I will add my master, um, the, the Dijon master, and I will just mix everything all together. Just keep on mixing it for like a good, uh, good like five minutes to make sure everything is like all good. And then I will put some plastic wrap over the container I'm using, and then I will close it with the, the actual um, container um, cap. And I will just leave it on the fridge for overnight. Um, so usually it will marinate for at least eight hours before I actually like do anything with it. And then when that's you know done the next day, um, if I'm making a lot of them, I would just use the grill instead of the stovetop to make the color because the grill is bigger. So I would just use the grill and um, I will uh, just cook it for about both sides. I think each side is maybe like 20 to 25 minutes on each side. And I remove everything from uh the the grill but i'm only grilling just the chicken so basically when i remove all the chicken from the uh from the bowl where it was marinating um it will have you know the the juice and the uh onions must and all that stuff so i will just put that back in the fridge i would just remove just the chicken and then i will grill just the chicken um each side for 20 to 25 minutes just to have some low colors in there 
And then when I, after I remove the chicken from the grill, I will um, cook the left the onions. I will cook the onions that were marinated in a big uh, metal pan or on the stovetop. I will just like you know let it uh, make sure the uh, the onions become translucent. What is it called? Translucent or transparent? Not transparent, but very very soft, uh, very soft. And then um, after that, I will add the chicken that I was cooking inside the pan. So I will add that in there, and I will like close it with a uh, with a lid, and just let it cook till I know it's cooked. Or when I'm making like a big batch, I would just do all the that step in the oven and let it just cook in the oven. And actually, I prefer the oven because I feel like the oven just like add more um, color to the uh, color to the uh, chicken when it comes out, and there won't be um, a lot of uh, it won't be too juicy. I mean, I, I'm not saying like juicy is bad, but I feel like sometimes when you cook it on the stovetop, it adds a lot of water because of the cover, the um, the pan cover. When you cover it, you know it adds, you know, the steam add more water inside the uh, the actual yasa. But when you put it on the oven, I feel like you know if you leave it open a little bit, not cover it fully, um, it won't be too um, soupy. Yeah, this isn't a wet dish, is it? It's it's a it's a it's it's rich, but it's not it's not a gravy. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And do you add olives or are you no olives? I will add the olives. Um, yes, I will add the. Sometimes I I used uh, I add the olives tw- twice and two different times. Sorry, I will add the olives when I add the chicken and the yasa onions to cook it with, and then. After when it's done cooking, I will add uh, more fresh olives as decoration um, on the top. Everything you described sounds delicious, and it sounds, you know, it's rich and it's salty and it's tart from the mustard, but it's not spicy. So the spice is basically from the peppers that are added at the end or halfway. Yes. Yes. Got it. And then do you season the couscous or the achike while you're cooking it? So the achike already is very, already taut. Uh, I'm sure you, you had achike before, yeah? I haven't, but I can imagine because it's fermented that it has a bit of a sour to it. Yes, it's very, it's very sour already. Like naturally, it's very sour. So I usually don't add any seasoning in it because if you because the yasa is already salty and tangy and sour you know that two combination just makes it like overly too salty for me um so i usually do not uh, put any seasoning in achike for the couscous depending if i'm making um uh, just a regular plain couscous i will put maybe like a little salt and pepper in the couscous while i'm making it with olive oil but if I'm using it with the flavorful couscous or like the Parmesan um, couscous, or um, I think I saw one at the store that was like lemon pepper couscous, I will not put any seasoning in it. I will just use it like that. You described it great, and I'm happy because I think I did a pretty good job. You know, when I went to the market, I looked for the whole fish because the whole fish is a lot easier to to do it. But I couldn't find a decent whole fish, but they had some nice fillets on sale. So I thought, all right, l- let's try that. And then I had the same problem with my fillet that you would have had with cooking the uh, chicken breast because yes. if I if I did a full fry 
and added it to the sauce too soon, it would just fall apart. And the other problem that, you know, with a fish fillet versus a chicken is, you know, since I'm using lemon as part of the marinade, yes. You know, I can't go I can't go eight hours. I mean, it's you know, forty minutes to an hour is about it. But the process was the same. So I, I did the lemon, I added a little bit of lemon pepper seasoning, I added some yes. just one or two little dots of, of coriander. Oh, no, sorry, not coriander, of cardamom. Because I saw one recipe had something called grains of paradise, which tasted a little bit between pepper and cardamom. Okay. So I thought if I add one or two okay. pieces of cardamom, not the whole pod, but just like a little seed, I'll get a, I'll get a, a smell, but I won't get a, a taste. A little bit of ginger, garlic. And when I chopped up the onions, I did one onion that I had just for the fish marinade, which yes. I crushed. So I, I wanted all that onion juice to get into the fish. And then the rest of the onions I made with the sauce. I put the... Uh, the fish fillets underneath the broiler to get good color. So I broiled it, broiled it just to get good color, but really Uh keep it moist and then set it off to the side. And then the onions, I followed the same thing. So I had the onions, I had the mustard, I had the bay leaves. I used, this was a a bit of a difference because I see in a a lot of cooking of West Africa, the use of bouillon cubes. I have bouillon in the house and I and I have the Chinese equivalent, which is, it's made, it's all made by Maggie anyway. Oh my God, you have no idea. It's everywhere but in West Africa. We have like billboards of Maggie <laughs> everywhere. And it's it's great. It's, it's MSG plus a flavor. But the recipes that I saw called more for um, the fish bouillon, which I didn't have. So I had to fake it. So I used water as a base, a little bit of chicken powder, a little bit of, I don't know if you've ever seen like Chinese shrimp paste. It's like a fermented shrimp paste, really small amount. So it tastes a bit funky like the sea, but it doesn't really taste so strong. And then I used a little bit of the Japanese uh, fish dashi, which is also like dried bonito, which has a fish taste, but also not that strong. So it tastes a little bit fishy, but not super concentrated. I got you. Added a little bit of that to the onions, and I added a little bit of that to the um, to the couscous. Couscous, I added butter. I added some uh, finely chopped onions and garlic and mm. and salt, just to get the taste. I didn't want anything to be bland and plain. Yeah, well, everything you described doesn't sound bland at all. It seems like it was so well seasoned. <laughs> Oh, it was great, and my 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 kids liked it. My wife liked it, and I thought, oh, this is this is a keeper. Oh, absolutely. Did you? What type of oil did you use for um, to do your uh, do yesa onions? I used a neutral oil. I could, what what should I have used? Well, some people use uh, olive oil or canola oil. I used canola oil because I don't like doing pan frying in olive oil because the smoke point is so low. That's very true. It doesn't get the color that you want. So it takes like forever. Yeah, I agree. And there's some dishes. At least there's some dishes that seem to have come over from Africa. And I'm trying to remember the name of the dish, but it's common to use a palm oil, like a red palm oil. I think I know what you're talking about. Do you use palm oil in, in Senegalese food? We use palm oil in Senegalese food, and we also use it in Cote d'Ivoire. We, I mean, we are like countries, like few countries apart, but we use with that whole West Africa part. We use a lot of palm, uh, palm oil to cooking. In, uh, in Nigeria, they have this, I forgot the name of it, but it's like one of my favorite dish in, uh, from Nigeria. They use uh, the palm oil 
and some leaves and they have i believe is either um, goat meat or beef and they i don't know how the process of it but it's like amazing and you eat it with the cassava paste it's basically cassava but they're making it to this like very doughy thing uh it's like white and you just eat it where you eat it with your hand. It's like amazing. It's a fufu, right? Fufu, yes. But the thing is, there's so many different types of fufus. There's fufu with um, plantains, banana plantains, the sweet one. There's the one that's in Sweden, which is green banana plantains. And there's some you use it with uh, cassava. This dish that I was describing, it's a Brazilian seafood stew called mogeca, which is coconut milk and then has rice and different seafood. But the oil, the traditional oil is, they call it dende oil, but it's the red palm oil. And it has a specific taste, which I don't have. So I didn't know whether I was supposed to use that type of oil. But I thought if you're frying a fish, you do a neutral. They have fish oil. Some of the recipes I saw used, I guess, the, the oil of the fish or oil that fish has been fried in, which... Recycle basically everything, honestly. Uh, for example, like if we cook something that let's say we are cooking a chicken right and the chicken has a leftover some type of uh, um, broth from the chicken we will actually save that broth in a little bottle to use it to make it some i don't know like some jollof rice or anything yeah why not like you're throwing away flavor like this stupid so you might as well use it okay i went through your entire instagram posts and to be honest the west african cooking is you know not even like 2% of everything that you post. No. <laughs> and recently, there's just a lot of over-the-top cakes and baked things. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Where did that come from? I originally loved making savory food, savory food um, mostly from back home, but I also like making cakes. Usually when I make my the ethnic food from back home, Usually it's eat when my family either visit or when my friends come over. So I don't make it like that often. But I always had, you know, the passion of baking too. I, I love baking. Since I think I think I made my first cake when I was um, ten or eleven, like my first like actual birthday cake for like a, you know, for my cousin, like fully, full birthday cake um, that everybody enjoyed when I was um, ten or eleven. And ever since that, I was like, oh, I like you know, I'm gonna. Pursue, keep, I'm going to keep the skills of like making, like improve myself to make like better cake, better cake, better cakes. But then when I moved to the States, it took me a long time to, it didn't took me a long time. It took me about like six or seven months to understand English. My focus wasn't on making cakes anymore, like cooking in general. I just like, just kind of stopped cooking. I just focused on school and just, you know, learning English and learning the new world here and all that stuff. And then when I decided to go back and to cooking, I was like, okay, that it seems like here it's easy to. I feel like there's a lot of ingredients here in the U.S. to make cakes that that's easy to purchase to make cakes. So I was like, let me just try it, and then um, I decided to try and like learn how to make like you know American cakes, if I can say like you know the style like the cakes people make here. And then you know over the years I realized, okay, I guess I'm actually. I've maybe have some some skills to making cakes, and then people start liking it. Um, at first, it was just like family and friends. I started liking it, and the next thing I know, um, friends of friends are telling me to make cakes for their loved ones, and then that's when it kind of like took off. I'll describe a, one or two of them. I mean, I'm looking at one which is looks like a two or three tier cake with sliced Oreos and and a lot of. I mean, it's chocolate. It looks like chocolate through and through. Um, but a lot of work with the pastry creams. Yes. 
Yes. It's, you're talking about the Oreo cake, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. That one is like everybody's favorite. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing cake, honestly. And you know the funny thing is, I don't really like cakes. <laughs> Why? I I just don't I don't like eating cakes like that. The only cake that I usually eat is ice cream cake. Yeah. So even when I make my cake, sometimes I don't even have a bite of my cake. I just make it and give it away. Uh, my wife is the tester of my cakes. That's so interesting. If I had to paint like a taste profile of that cake, I would just have like sweet or sugar at like a thousand and. <laughs> Because it's a really sweet cake. I mean, Oreos are ridiculously sweet, but then everything else on top is is just sweet. It really is. So a lot of feedbacks that I've got from my cake is that the combination of the cake and the frosting is not too sweet. I get that a lot. So it might look very, very sweet, but when you actually eat it, it's not as sweet as it looked. Um, I don't know if maybe it's because I use a lot of dark chocolate or maybe... Um, I only use like one coating of frosting all around the cake because I don't really like cakes that has too much frosting or even cakes that have like fondant. I don't really like those uh, making cakes like that. So I try my best to not put a lot of, uh, compared to other cakes, my cakes are not that. <laughs> I don't have a lot of frosting like other cakes because other cakes, they just put, just pile on top of, you know, buttercream, 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 like the size of the uh of the design of the buttercream is like really, really big and makes, I feel like it takes away from the cake. I wonder if that's like an influence from TV shows. I think it is. Like if you see like a cake chef and it's, you know, it's all decoration and, and the underlying is less important. I agree with you because there's a lot of cakes that when you see on social media, it's more about the decoration, it's more about the frosting on buttercream than it actually about the taste of the cake. It's like, <laughs> I know it looks good, it looks fantastic, but looking at that cake, I feel like if I eat it, it will just be all buttercream. And yeah, you will taste the food coloring, <laughs> you know, looking at those cakes, yeah. My favorite cake of the cakes that you made was the blueberry cheesecake with the almond cookie crust. I hope you tried that one. I actually tried that one, yes. <laughs> I tried it because after making it, I was like, this cake looks so delicious. I have to try it. But most, I actually wanted to try the almond crust most to see how it will taste with the combination of the cheesecake. And then it turned out like amazing. I made this cake for anybody. It was just, I wanted to just make it to try because I saw this recipe from this lady. I think her Instagram name start with 10 something. She's in Australia, based in Australia. And I saw that I was attracted to that recipe because she basically made a, a blueberry sauce and she just topped it with the cheesecake on the top of the cheesecake. So that was actually, that's what actually attracted me. I was like, I want to make this blueberry sauce and just add it on top of the cheesecake and see how it is. Because adding that sauce on the top of the cheesecake and you let it sit on the fridge for a few hours actually penetrates the cheesecake. So when you actually cut the cheesecake, there's this like goodness of gooiness of the blueberry sauce as you eating it. It, it was fantastic. So yeah, I, I did that. And then uh, the combination of the almond crust, I was like, this is this is just amazing. And I chose the almond crust as actually, I was like, I'm just going to try to see because I like almonds. So I was like, mm, almond, blueberries. I don't know. We'll see. So I just tried it. You turned out really good. I think I'm going to try this one. It's, it's one that I know my wife would go absolutely nuts for, and I love the nuttiness of the almond and the creaminess of the cheesecake. So my last question is on a number of dishes, like you make a long rice dish, you make a, an egg roll dish, 
And then you you keep doing shout outs to your Hawaii, your Hawaiian fam. Yes. Who's your Hawaiian fam? So when I grew up in Vegas, um, I'm my best friend. His name is Anthony. Uh, we grew up together, and he's he's Hawaiian. His family is Hawaiian. So his family was like they were just like my family. They just like took care of me whenever after football games or after school or whenever we were hanging out. We had time to hang out. His mom would make sure that. When we at the house, she has food for us. His mom was an absolute amazing um, cook, and everything everything that she makes um, was like in Hawaiian dish. So we eat a lot of rice, we eat a lot of spam. She makes spam musubi all the time. Every time we <laughs> we go there, she will find time to make you know uh, spam musubi, which I never had spam musubi or spam ever till I actually met my 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 friend Anthony and his mom made it for us. I was like, what is this meat? You know, and uh, I just fell in love with the meat <laughs> with with spam. Um and then she showed me how to make uh make fried rice, Hawaiian fried rice. And then she made like other dishes too. So so every time I make a dish that I you know that was inspired by you know by by her, his mom, like my Hawaiian family, I always make sure, you know, I give them a shout <laughs> a shout out. That's awesome. But growing up were those flavors completely new to you? Yes, they were new. I mean, because back home, we have um, Chinese restaurants. So every time we go to a Chinese restaurant, m- my family back home, we, we don't necessarily take get the fried rice. We go there to get the egg rolls. Egg rolls don't really have spam in it. So we never really had spam. And, you know, all the combination of like, um, you know, the fried rice, because we don't really eat the fried rice back home, like, because, I mean, like, we eat rice in general back home a lot. So usually when we go to the Chinese restaurant, we just go for the um, for the egg rolls. But, yes, the combination of Spam, eggs, soy sauce, rice. Yeah, seaweed. So it's a combination of ses- uh, sesame seed and seaweed crushed. And then she will add that in, uh, inside the fried rice when she makes it. So, yeah, that was that was very new. And I love it. I love it so much. Um, I've been to Vegas a bunch of times and, you know, I, I, I spent most of my twenties, I was living in Asia and Vegas has the most amazing Asian food, but you've got to get like Spring Valley road. You got to get off the strip into Vegas, Chinatown, but the food is super authentic and it's, it's awesome. Absolutely. Vegas is, uh, every, every time I go to Vegas, it's, there's two things that I want. Um, there's this place. I love Mexican food too. Mexican food um, is like amazing. But yes, you're absolutely right. Like the Asian um, food there is like amazing. The Chinese food especially. Um, and is you're right. Also off the strip is where you will get the best of the best. Um, I always ask for Chinese food and I always ask for Mexican food when I go back home. Because that's... I feel like this is the closest I will taste to, you know... Uh, that's the closest I will... Uh, taste like authenticity, you know, of those two, you know, Mexican food and Chinese food in the U.S. We are the same way. So every time I go to Vegas, there's two stops I need to make. I go for Chinese food and then I go to this place called Tacos El Gordo, which is... Oh my God, that's my place. I was going to say it. I love Tacos El Gordo. (laughs) I get the boucher. I get all the stuff that's like all the innards and all the organs and it's, it's amazing. Oh my God! Yes, it's so good. It, this this 
Tacos de Golos was the uh, the place that me and my buddies we always go to after night, you know, night out in the town. We we will be there till like maybe two or four a.m. Just eat, just eat and eat and eat. Uh, my favorite thing to order from there is something with uh, the cow tongue. Yeah, lengua tacos. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> I love that. It's so yeah, good. it's crazy. Two, I was there two years ago, and and it's funny because I was staying at like with a whole bunch of friends, and we we're having a big party, and they really went all out. And I was like, "Excuse me, guys, I got to go across the street because <laughs> tacos are gordo." And they're like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Oh no, this is good." And I brought a couple. I, I brought a couple friends there, and they were really conservative of what they're eating. So I'm like, "All right, get the get the pastor get." You know, it's get get the steak. It's okay. We're I'm on a different line. Don't look at what I'm eating. I'm eating brains and tongue, and I'm I'm not eating brain. I'm eat, I'm eating the head, which is like all the meat around the the pork, but not the brains. And I'm eating the tongue, and I'm eating like a part of the intestine. You guys can try it if you want. And they're like, no, we're not going to try that. They they have to try it next time. They don't know what they're missing. Those that they don't know what they're missing at all. <laughs> it's amazing. I love tacos de gordo. It's really good. All right, man. This has been a fun chat. Yeah. So what's next for you? Like, what's going on? What's going to be your next big thing? Okay. So what's next for me? So I actually, so a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of people think that I'm actually like a full-time chef, but I'm actually not a full-time chef right now. As of right now, I'm part-time. I actually have a full-time job. I work for the county, Chesterfield County around Richmond. So basically I'm I'm thinking about transferring from, you know, having a full-time job to a part-time job and then focus on just my cooking as a full-time. I'm working with the uh, uh I'm in the process of working and doing all the legal, you know, paperwork to make sure that I'm either going to get a food truck or actually get my own business. So I'm just still browsing and, you know, just doing the paperwork and like, you know, doing the reviews and all that stuff. But till that's done, I don't know what's going to be next, but I'm going to continue, you know, making my cakes, uh, making my food. And then, you know, just, I guess when I'm done with all the legal paperwork, I will just uh, make an announcement and be like, okay, well, this is what's next. Uh, This is my new business or this is my new food truck or whatever. So we'll see. Bon chance. That's what they say, right? Yeah. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for being a, a guest on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, man. That, this was great. 